0: Hello and welcome to the show. My guest today is Matt Hines, speaker, consultant, and author, and the founder and CEO of Hines Marketing. You can find them online at hinesmarketing.com. So, one of the areas in sales is receiving a ton of attention is sales enablement. I mean, heck, we'd all like to enable sales, right? But there are a growing number of sales enablement tools and applications hitting the market. And at the same time, there's a lot of talk about sales engagement apps, and sometimes the two terms are used interchangeably. But the fact remains that it's essential for managers to understand what these terms mean and how to factor them into their own sales planning and their own selling. So Matt is going to help us sort this all out. And Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks very much. Pleasure to be here. So, take a minute. Introduce yourself. Tell us what you do and who do you do it for.
1: Oh boy! So I, uh, my name is Matt. I uh, run a company called Heinz Marketing. We, I think of us as sales pipeline people. You know, we are a bunch of marketers for the most part, but uh, we think mostly about sales pipeline contributions. So we're doing demand generation, lead management. A lot of you know, we'll talk about sales enablement, sort of helping sales and marketing teams work more closely and more effectively together. Uh but you know, I think a lot of marketers think in terms of likes and clicks and campaigns and leads and those are all important means to what ends. But you know, a lot of our clients who tend to be B2B companies of different sizes and, and, and industries, uh, they're looking to us to help build pipeline. Yeah, uh, revenue. They, revenue. Yeah, exactly. I got you know, we got one of our one of our directors says, Hey listen, if you can't buy a beer with it, Then you know it's it's not the right metric. Um, So (laughs) yeah, so I mean, so it's I think it's important, honestly, for marketers to embrace that type of level of revenue responsibility, and that's a key uh, component of not only helping marketers be more effective, but helping marketers own and embrace and drive. Those sales enablement efforts inside their organizations.
0: All right. Well, let's start the beginning. Let's break it down. What is sales enablement, and why is it so important for sales teams to know what it is?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think of sales enablement as the as the evolution of what has always been thought of as sales operations. You know, I think historically in many companies, sales ops is reactive and tactical. I look at sales enablement as very proactive and strategic. Uh, a lot of companies are hiring people that are you know heads of sales enablement, and I, I could argue that it's the most important role in the organization and has the most leverage. Uh, in driving the effectiveness and productivity of the sales force. Well, what everything. are their
0: responsibilities? The people yeah, have I mean,
1: a... I think a lot of people think historically it's around content, and it is uh, related to content, you know, making sure that the reps have the right content for the right prospect at the right time. I think it's also about process. Um, you know, what are those repeatable, scalable, predictable processes that, that the sales team goes through, and how do you ensure everyone has access to that? What are the tools that are helping reps be more effective, more efficient? Um, you know i'll give an example of that on the crm side i think uh, you know historically a lot of salesforce and crm administrators are making crm too difficult and time consuming for reps to use an effective sales enablement strategy is thinking about crm as how little time can i require my sales reps to be in crm cuz effectively time in crm is time not selling right you know if if there's if you know other than revenue ever other than sales pipeline contribution and impact you know, the primary metric for sales enablement professionals these days is active selling time. What percent of my sales team, what percent of their time can I make active selling time as opposed to things that are just merely supporting selling? Um, so tons of opportunity in that space. And what's amazing is, you know, we're without any change in budget, without any change in leads or other resources, we're seeing companies, you know, with dramatic changes in active selling time, literally going from 33% to 45 plus percent of their time. And when you think about that kind of a percentage growth of active selling time as the percent of a day across an entire sales force, it's a massive increase in productivity. And if people are using the right messages and are following the, the right process and getting in front of more prospects, it can have an incredible impact on pipeline growth.
0: Right. So you say that some companies are actually hiring people into this role as head of sales enablement. I mean, so how do you, how do you divvy up the tasks between... That person and the VP of Sales and the VP of Marketing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think ultimately the, the the sales enablement, you know, is, is it is a ta- it is an execution. It's a tactical role what they're doing. But I think you know ultimately, you know, it's 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 up to the entire organization and those teams to work together to understand what does our sales process look like. How does that align with the way that our specific buyers are buying? What are the messages that our prospects, different persona prospects at different stages of the buying cycle? What are the messages they need to hear? to move forward, and then how do we activate our sales team to execute on that process? And then execution comes down to, okay, what content do we have? And okay, marketing, we need your help coming up with that content. What tools does our sales team need, right? And so there's a strategy that the sales enablement team creates that is enabled by technology, not the other way around, right? And so that enablement, that technology may be something you're partnering with IT on. you know, the sales enablement, ideally sales enablement is having a massive impact on ongoing training and best practice sharing. So it's not just at sales kickoffs and quarterly meetings, but there's an ongoing commitment and habit building around sharing best practices, role playing, practicing the process and the message um, across the sales organization. So companies are defining the scope of that sales enablement effort in a lot of different ways, but everything I've talked about there... Is part of the sort of evolving whole scope of what sales enablement uh, is focused
0: on. Right. So, what we're talking about are sort of the sort of basic sales functions, you might think, in terms of, you could start with hiring, onboarding, yeah. training, content development, you've talked about, which is really sort of a marketing task, but sales sometimes gets their hands involved with that, uh, all really become part of this sales enablement. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and there there are some
1: organizations that don't have a sales enablement team, but they have a sales enablement function, and those can be two different things, right? I think you know, it's 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 important to me. That organizations understand the the critical role that a sales enablement function can have. Now, I have no problem with someone in marketing owning that. I have no problem with, you know, a, a sales manager owning that. Uh, if if companies aren't ready to hire a separate division or a separate team, but you know, where we see the companies that are the most efficient, the most effective at leveraging everything from content, technology, process, all together they do have dedicated resources that are focused on this. In and, and like I said earlier, in some cases it's an evolution of what was previously sales operations just elevated to a more strategic role.
0: So think about this in the context of especially for people that are listening that maybe CEO or business owner, small mid-sized enterprise, you know, in some cases sales leadership, they may not even have a VP of sales. Mm-hmm. What's the step they should be taking?
1: Well, I, I would before. I mean, before you go and hire someone, I would sort of, I would sort of d- define what the role looks like and 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 understand what you think the outcome looks like, right? So start with the outcome in mind and say, okay, I, you know, we can you measure what active selling time looks like for your sales team? Can you identify some gaps in performance that could be implement that could be solved with a sales enablement type role? So basically, create justification for the role and for the need up front and identify the metrics with which you're going to use to measure its success. And if those metrics, if the, if the gains uh, inherent in those metrics get you excited and help you think about, wow, I could really not only hit my number this year, but this is going to make it a lot easier for hit my number next year. Ideally that gives you a pretty high uh, sort of sense of urgency to get that, that, that role developed. And so, you know, then, as you look at what those objectives and focus areas are, that should help define who you're pulling into that role. Uh, you know, I think historically we we've hired into sales operations um, sort of uh, less skilled, more tactical, more administrative people. I'm seeing you know sales people with sales backgrounds hired into sales enablement. I'm seeing former sales managers that have a pension that have a, a, a that have it that, that have an inherent strength around process, around content. You know, I you know take on these roles. And so if you know first what your objectives are, if you know how you're going to measure it and can use that as a means of defining the skill set required in your organization to be successful sales enablement, then you can hire the right person for the job and they're going to be far more likely to be successful.
0: Well, and let's go back to sort of the question that that started that that last answer is that you know in your research or the research you blogged about recently, you talked about 62% of companies surveyed Say they had no plan to implement any sort of sales enablement process or organization. Um, how did they? How did they spot they have the need? Well, what's scary about that survey? So we did, you know, in, in August of this year,
1: we partnered with a company called Highspot that does sales enablement software and so we just asked people Instead, we we literally took the term sales enablement out of the questionnaire cuz I didn't I don't know how many people in this questionnaire. We didn't know we didn't want to presuppose people knew what that was. So but exactly. we what we did is we 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 pulled out the the functions um, in sales and marketing that we think are part of sales enablement. And so we asked respondents, and we, we asked, are you in sales, or are you in marketing, are you in executive management, where are you? We said, tell me, um, the, um, tell me the, the importance of these functions, and then tell me how effectively you think your organization is. And so without bringing up the topic of sales enablement, we found a pretty significant and frightening gap between the perceived importance of various sales enablement activities and the perceived effectiveness of the organization in question at executing on that. So so, so we so we identified on-
0: onboarding yeah. training all these things that are they identified as really important in terms yeah. of getting the outcome that you want from your sales force. Yeah. But and they don't think they're very effective at at implementing them. So they're basically saying these are important, we're not good at doing it. But then
1: when we asked, you know, how many of you have a sales enablement team to execute on these, the vast majority said that they don't have one. Um, not surprising. But then when we asked, you know, do you have plans to budget for or hire for this? The majority of companies still said no. So it's, you know, there, there's not only a gap between um, importance and execution, but there's also a gap in companies readiness to invest or address proactively the problem to fix it, uh, and that's the piece that I think for me out of this survey was a bit of a wake up call, uh, and I think the timing was really good here as well. In terms of a lot of companies on a fiscal calendar year thinking about 2016, sales ops and sales enablement may not be the sexiest part of the organization, right? Like generating leads, doing big events, hiring more salespeople, like that may feel like the sexy stuff. But I'll tell you, sales enablement, it, as as defined in this survey and as we've talked about so far. I fundamentally believe, and I'm seeing this organizations nationwide, this can be the differentiator. This can be the X factor for organizations to catapult their results to leapfrog competitors. Um, it's not sexy, but it is effective.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolute process, as you know from what I write about process, is incredibly important. And I think that companies have this tendency to default to saying – uh, gosh, let's just change the players, right? If mm-hmm. sales isn't working, we're just gonna hire different salespeople. Right. Instead of saying let's take a more systemic, holistic look at our overall process and how yep. we make this happen, yeah. Um, it's easier just, you know, I'm gonna hire and fire some people.
1: Yeah 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 you and, and I think um i, I mean it's not, it's not because I think they're making the wrong decision. I think it I mean we all make the decisions we do when we prioritize things based on the data that we have right and so part of part of what I liked about this survey was just I think ideally it helps just open people people's eyes to a a a cleaner line to solving the problem that they themselves have said that they have right. I mean, they're telling us there's this gap between importance and effectiveness. There is a way to solve for this. There is a there is a there is an increasingly clear blueprint that is sales enablement related for how companies can address and, and overcome these challenges and see the results that they're looking for.
0: Yeah, well, I think if again, if we get back to the example of a CEO of a small company that may have Salesforce of ten people, yeah, I guarantee you, when they look at hiring the next salesperson, you know, they're looking at that money, whether it's, you know, fully burdened $250,000 a year, a guy hits 100%, whatever, you know, they're looking at that coming out of their pocket, Mm -hmm. right? You know, if they own that business, you know, that money's coming out of my pocket. Uh, How much do they need to sell to make that happen as opposed to saying, okay, we need to have somebody in this role that, you know, yeah, has revenue responsibility, but they're not out there actually feed on the street. They're just trying to make everybody better. You can see how that makes them nervous. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, told, I, can, I can
1: totally see that. Look, change is difficult. Um, and I think when you're looking at the idea of, you know, doing doing more of what has worked versus doing something differently that you are not understand... Um, it can be a challenge. And I think, you know, for companies that are sort of listening to this and thinking, wow, this all sounds interesting, but I still, I'm not really clear on what the execution looks like, right? I mean, it's just totally understandable. Um, you know, I would, you know, there are, you know, there's companies like Highspot that have blueprints around how to get a sales name program up and rolling. Um, there are people in your industry, there are complementary players, there are people in your peer group that are already doing sales name effort. I mean, ask them what they're doing, ask them what their blueprint was to, to look like. Don't worry about boiling the ocean right away, but do something to get it started, right? I mean, I think the exciting thing I've seen in other data and other research on sales enablement, this is not a black and white issue. You know, there's, it's kind of like a golf swing, right? I mean, if you don't have to improve every part of your golf swing to be a better golfer, the more you improve, the better you're going to be. And so don't be afraid to take some baby steps on the path to better sales enablement to start to see early results, to make that a proof of concept for increasing focus and budget and whatever else to make it a bigger focus in the organization.
0: All right. Well I won't come back and, and talk about that after the after the break. We're gonna take a short break because I think that getting into this idea of sort of help people understand what the ROI may be mm-hmm. and how they can gauge that where it will come from. Would really be a good thing to get into. So, we're going to take a short break. Now, before we do, though, I have a question for you. I'm going to propose a hypothetical (laughs) scenario to you, and I I pose this to all my guests. Yeah. So, you are a brand new sales manager, hired into a company whose sales have stalled, a little bit stagnated. Upper management has an extremely highly developed sense of urgency to get things turned around quickly. So, what are the two things you would do in the first week that would have the biggest impact?
1: On helping that team be
0: more effective? Yeah. So We'll we'll answer that that when we come back from the break. My guest today is Matt Hines, and we'll be back in just a second. Hi, this is Andy. Connect & Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a 1,000 companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect & Sell grow their revenues faster, by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect & Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect & Sell can start filling your pipeline today. Welcome back. My guest today is Matt Hines, CEO of Hines Marketing. You can catch Matt online at hinesmarketing.com. All right, so Matt, I posed a question to you right before the break. New sales manager. Sales have stalled, stagnated. You've been brought in to turn things around. Management's really anxious for this to happen. What are the two things you would do in the first week that could have the biggest impact? Well, I mean, I think it's, you know, you, you want to make sure that people don't expect your income in
1: and immediately change the results, especially if you've got a, you know, a, a complex and long-form sales process. I would go right to the root. I think a lot of times people, when they're trying to put out a fire, aim the fire, aim their water hose at the flames as opposed to the embers. You're not going to put the fire out of your, if you address sort of the immediate fire drills that are happening day to day. And when I think about foundation, if I'm a sales manager, my first questions are, are we addressing what the customers need? Are we selling drills or are we selling holes? How well are we creating and communicating need and urgency in the sales process? And how does everything we're doing across every stage of the sales process reinforce that value and this becomes strategic and tactical right this is everything from how are we having those customer conversations when we work with inside sales teams, sometimes we'll tell them rule number one on the first coast on the first prospect call or the first time you're following up with the lead you're not allowed to talk about your product or service what Mm -hmm. compensation would you have if you couldn't bring up your product hopefully it's gonna be about the prospect you know their issues their needs what they're working on so I would certainly um, sort of focus on something like that uh, up front. Mm-hmm. I would also ensure that some of, the te- some of the communications you're putting back in front of people reinforce that value prop. One of my favorite examples of this is the proposal that you may eventually send to someone. That proposal is going to go in front of people that have not been part of those early stage conversations. And if the proposal gets, gets right into scope of work, it's right into just tactics of what you're selling, as opposed to reinforcing why it's valuable... A good proposal doesn't start with, well, we've been in business for 400 years and you know we've got 18 offices all over the country. It starts with, here's the problem you're trying to solve. Here's the objectives we're working towards. Here's the impact it's going to have on your organization. Even if you're simply reinforcing that value to someone that's already been, been engaged, mm-hmm. let alone help using that as a communication tool and a table setting for other decision makers and influencers who are reviewing that proposal – I mean, this is all in the spirit of being more customer-centric and 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 putting their you know their priorities first. Mm-hmm. You know, you get to the end of the month, the end of the quarter, we tend to prioritize uh, fixing um, fixing. You know, we tend to prioritize our sales yeah, revenues, yeah, which, which is important. But what if what if you've got that compelling event with the customer, and what if you instead are becoming an advocate for their objectives? You earn the right to be pushy, right? You know, to push for their objectives as opposed to your deal.
0: Yeah, I like it. Okay, was that two things? All right, good. <laughs> <laughs> so, a question for you: We sort of talked about right before the break was, yeah. You know, how does a how does a manager how does a, somebody that's going to be you know having to make this investment in sales enablement how do they gauge what the ROI is going to be when they're doing their planning? Right? What should they be? Ex- what are their expectations? Well, how should they be set?
1: Well, I mean I mentioned sort of the idea of active selling time previously so okay. I think it's I think you know you can do a baseline of what percent of my sales team is is spending time actively selling uh, you know there's a number of tools to do that there's actually a tool called active selling or excuse me uh, rescue time uh, that you can install on people's machines and it will actually kind of measure where they're spending their time across applications and so you can say okay if they're you know, if they're in Salesforce, that's not active selling time. You know, if they're in WebEx, it probably is active selling time, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to make those determinations and develop at least an approximate, uh, you know, baseline. And if you say, well, we're at 33% right now and we'd like to get to 40% by the end of next year, you can literally do the math and say, well, based on the output of the team today, based on how effective they are, you know, how many activities, how many demos they're able to set up, how much time they're actually able to spend with their with their prospects, if you simply increase that time, you should see an increase in activity level and opportunities and, and pipeline growth. Um, if you've got the right content and the right customer-centric message and process in front of prospects as well, I would expect to see increases in conversion rate of the historic metrics you already have as well. So what you already know about lead to opportunity, opportunity to close conversion rates. If you were to bump some of those conversion rates by a reasonable you know, percentage, what impact could that have on your sales? Right. And so I would look at metrics like that as a baseline and as a justification for what sales enablement can do and those can also be used as the metrics you're measuring your sales enablement team on say so, hey if we can increase our our close rate from 25 to 30% by the end of next year you know maybe that's what your bonus is tied to and so you're not saying hey we need you to roll out the new training program or we need you to sort of you know launch 15 new case studies that's all fine and good but as I said before, that's I can't buy a beer with a bunch of new case studies. I can buy a beer with a higher conversion rate on opportunities to close.
0: And I think that one thing that, that holds companies back from this you know we talked about 62 percent, but aren't really planning on it -- is that certainly in, like I said mid-size companies and smaller, there's a reluctance for senior management to really get their hands dirty in sales, oftentimes. Right, I mean, it's they something they want to have happen, but they don't necessarily want to get their fingers dirty with into the details of it, and quite frankly, they're gonna have to, right? Well, I don't
1: know. I mean, I don't always know that senior managers know where to look, and I would put that into two categories. I think you know your your senior managers who are not who don't have experience in sales sometimes don't even know what questions to ask, like right? And so they just start saying, well, uh, just hire more salespeople or just make have people make more phone calls, right? Like, what's our activities look like? And so they start pointing at things that they semi-understand that may not be relevant or may not be scalable, right? And then you also then may have a, head, a VP of sales or a CRO that has sales experience but is far enough away from the day-to-day. They're managing managers that manage managers that manage reps mm-hmm. um, that they don't necessarily see they don't know the leverage points either. And I mean, it's become kind of a uh, cliche to say, well, the buyer has changed and so our sales process changed. Well, it, it is actually true. And so a lot of, you know, people that are in sort of a CRO position, the last time they had a quota, things might've worked a little differently. Right. And so I think, I think being able to translate that down into things that are actually going to matter, things that are at the street level are going to help increase, increase productivity, increase resonance with your customers. Um, you know, it's, I think, I, I think you know, it's, it's important for senior leaders to have a better sense for what's going on in the field and a better sense for what questions to ask and which levers are going to be most important so that they can actually make a difference. Uh, simply getting people to make more phone calls or do more, de- more demos per week um, isn't, nece- isn't really, in most cases, the long-term answer.
0: Well, no, it doesn't stick, right? So right. you can have a, a weekly push to get people to make more calls and it'll last for about a week, right? Yeah. But if you address it from a systemic standpoint, as you talked about sales enablement, we're going to look at all these aspects of our selling from hiring to how we onboard, how do we train and we're going to make changes in those processes that, that, are, that are lasting yeah. then you, at the end of the day, you get the impact that you want. Yeah, absolutely. So what are some of the apps that people are using for helping through the sales enablement process? Well, I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there. I think, um,
1: so before I go into apps, I'll give a caveat. I think a lot of companies across sales and marketing um, tend to you know, let the tail wag a dog when it comes to technology. Like, we get excited about different apps and different tools, and we say, well, let's go use that without thinking first about what is your strategy? What are well, the problems you're trying absolutely. to solve, right? Um, I, I do like a growing volume, of what I would call sort of sales enablement type of tools. Uh, there are some that. Focused on content, um, you know, helping our sales organizations get access to the right content in the right place. Uh, I'm pretty big on Highspot, and I think one example of what they do is, you know, they can make it so that if you're looking at a, a record in Salesforce, it will look at who the prospect is, what persona they relate to, it'll look at what industry they're in, it'll look at the sales stage they're in, and will highlight the talking points and content you should be using at that point in time. So instead of requiring reps to remember all that on their own it basically puts the right tools in front of them. Right, Mm -hmm. There's a handful of tools like that, Upsync and others, that will do things like that. Um, I'm really a fan of the tools that are improving consistency and ease of execution on the sales process as well. So if you've got an inside sales team that is doing lead follow-up, expecting them to remember and or organize your 10 to 12-touch lead follow-up system Across you know twenty leads a day they're getting is going to be next to impossible. Um, tools like you know Cadence from Salesloft, TowedApp, uh, Tellwise. I mean, there's a number of great tools out there, um, and I think really they all, there's a lot of tools that do great work. I think it's important for organizations to evaluate the differences, to understand which of them are going to best fit their culture, their existing process. Um, you know, because I mean, this this comes down to not just the right tool, but it comes down to adoption. Uh, I think I've heard a number of people, you know, when you, they get asked the question, "What's the best CRM system?" The answer is the one you use, right? Mm-hmm. If you buy the best CRM system on the market, but your reps don't use it, and your sales team doesn't use it. You might as well not have it. Uh, I literally have seen organizations that are doing fifty plus million in sales use email and and Excel as their CRM. Now, that's not perfect but you know what they use it they have a system for using it they all consistently use it so yep, for them yep. for whatever reason it's better than having some better than having dot cuz they, they cuz they they're not they're not using it right, right. so um so when it comes to technology i think you know you know look for the right organizations like evaluate how that fits into your how that fits into your existing strategy and process and have a focus on not just best features but adoption and
0: usage right well, the first step is make sure you have a plan, right? Sure. There's no substitute for having a <laughs> having a plan for what it is you want to try to achieve. And as you said, you don't want to try to solve every problem all at once. Is pick one or two that are the most important. As you said, it could be active selling time, It's the one you're trying to address, and then work backwards from that. How are we what's in our process that we could improve, right. To help us get to a point where we have more active selling time, and then say, okay, what are the apps that might help us do that? Because I agree 100% is you know apps too often are sort of the cart before the horse. Mm -hmm. and uh, then people stop using them because they're not solving the problem. Right. right. All right, so we're going to move into the last segment of our show. I've got some rapid-fire questions for you. You can give me some one-word answers or you can elaborate as much as you want. Are you ready? Let's do it. So what's the most powerful sales tool in your arsenal? Telephone. Name one tool you use today for sales or sales management that you can't live without. LinkedIn. Who's your sales role model?
1: (sighs) I have to name just one. The first one coming to the top of my eyes because I talked to him this morning, Mike Weinberg.
0: <laughs> okay. What's the one book that every salesperson should read? Uh, scientific advertising. Favorite music to listen to to psych yourself up for an important sales call? <laughs> um, There's a song called Of Wolf and Man by Metallica. Oh, gosh, good. We got we have the headbanging rock a lot, yeah. so that's good. <laughs> so what's the first sales activity you do every day? Um. Uh, I, so this is not a one-word answer.
1: I have a series of alerts I get in, in my inbox that tells me about everything from who was in the news, whose birthday is it, who changed jobs, who did something interesting. And I just I follow up and just connect with people on those. So where are you getting those alerts? Uh, I get them from uh, LinkedIn. I get them from Newsly. I get them from Facebook. Uh, I get them from a company called Contactually. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think of them as basically sort of the safety net to make sure that I'm seeing the trigger events that I want to respond to.
0: Okay so what's your favorite social media tool and why um
1: you know i would i would say for me right now it's twitter because i'm able to use that as an as a listening tool an engagement tool uh a, a drip marketing tool a prospecting tool it just it's i've been able, you know for for my business and my industry i've been able to just get a ton of value out of it and basically there's no media cost it's just all out there for the taking
0: okay so what's the one question you get asked most frequently by salespeople why
1: uh, why do our leads suck?
0: And what's your answer?
1: <laughs> um hey listen, you know, you know, you're never going to get leads that are immediately ready to buy, right? You're always going to get leads at some point early in the process and that's why that's why that's why the the function of professional sales isn't going away anytime soon.
0: So, last question for you. What's your definition of value in sales? <sighs> you got to sell the hole, not the drill. You have to understand
1: what the prospect actually needs. In many cases, the prospect hasn't taken the time or doesn't have the knowledge to figure that out on their own, even. Um, So your job is to help define and create urgency around an outcome that your customer desperately needs that you can help solve for.
0: Well, do they desperately need it if they don't know they have the need for it?
1: Well, they don't. They they may or may not... I mean, so some people... Don't understand the problem that they actually have, right? I think it's so part of your job, our, our job, early in the process. And this is as much as a marketing role as much as it is a sales role is to quantify the cost of a problem. People may or may not know that they have, mm-hmm. right? And so, like that early stage of the process of you know challenging someone's status quo and getting them to commit the change. You know, if just because someone isn't doing something doesn't mean they don't need to be doing it. They may not because of just you know we all like I said before, you and know, we all exist with the knowledge that we have. There may be new knowledge, new insight, new quantification that can help us reprioritize how we're actually going to try to more efficiently get to the result we want.
0: Right. Good point. Well, I want to thank you for joining me today. My guest has been Matt Hines. Matt, how can people learn more about you? Uh, you can check us out at HeinzMarketing.com. That's just Heinz, like the ketchup, You can
1: find us at Twitter at, at Heinz as well. And uh, no, thanks for the opportunity. This has been fun.
0: Great. Well, I want to tell everybody who's listening to make it a part of your day every day to learn something new to help you accelerate your sales. Subscribing to this podcast on iTunes is an excellent way to do that. Make sure that you don't miss any of our conversations with top sales experts like our guest today, Matt Hines, who share their experience and wisdom about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining us. And until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show.